Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. That's what I like to hear. Is everybody warm enough this morning? Yes, it is warm in here, isn't it? Good. It's warm enough that I wish I'd worn shorts. Uh, anyway, I uh, want to welcome everybody out, let you know we're happy you're here. Um, this is the week after Easter, and uh, Tim asked me, I don't know, a long time ago, he says, hey, would you take, can you talk for three weeks after Easter about money? And I said, sure, I could do that. And uh, the more I thought about it, I thought, I don't want to talk about money. I don't mind talking about money, don't get me wrong. Uh, but really, is, is God, I believe God really put it on my heart that instead of talking about money, and I, I talked it over with Tim, and we said, let's continue talking about the resurrection. Last week was Easter. And that's when we typically focus on the resurrection. And we remember Jesus coming, His body bursting back to life. And what that means to us. And I can only speak for myself, but typically it's like, okay, that's over. Let's move on to something else. Anybody else fall into that habit sometimes? And I've been taught, most of you, if, if you listen to me at all and remember anything I said, you probably know that I've been talking about this for a few years now, where I found myself in a situation where I didn't reference the resurrection very much. If I studied the Bible with someone, in hopes of them becoming a follower of Jesus, I had no scriptures in there specifically to talk about the resurrection. And I felt like, hey, I'm missing something here. And when you look at the, you look at the story of the Gospels, we're going to a little bit today, we're going to see that the resurrection is kind of a big deal. Okay? I mean, it really is. And honestly, Three weeks, which Tim has really asked me to speak for four weeks now. He's wanting me to stretch it. Uh, four weeks isn't enough. Four years might be, but four weeks isn't enough. And so we're we're gonna we're gonna wet the appetite, so to speak, because the big deal is okay. Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, and this is the way I used to used to used to think of it. Okay, Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that. I understand the basic arguments to try to persuade somebody who believes it, 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 he did not literally raise from the dead. I but how does that impact me on a daily basis? How does that impact my life? It was more just a doctrinal issue that you put up on the shelf and you took it off when you needed it. And the New Testament tells us the resurrection is a way bigger deal than that. And so guys, this morning and for the next three weeks, uh, we want to be, we want to be talking about this. We want to be talking about the significance of the gospel. I mean, the significance of the resurrection in the context of the, the gospel. And guys, I ask you as we start this, just to do a little self-evaluation, just a little check, you know, as we're talking about it, just ask yourself, think, think to yourself, how often do you consciously think about the resurrection? Now, there's, before I go any further, there's two aspects of the resurrection. We're going we're gonna to be digging into these. Normally, when you hear the resurrection, we think about the resurrection of Jesus, correct? That's it. That's the normal first thing that comes to mind. Well, you need to understand that Jesus resurrecting from the dead 
was the beginning of the resurrection. Okay? He was the, the New Testament refers to him as the firstborn from among the dead. And the resurrection that is even talked about earlier in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is talking about the resurrection of all the dead. Now, before you go, I'm not talking about zombies, alright? I guess that's the undead, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I pay no attention to zombies. I, I, I don't watch that. But guys, the Bible's very plain that there will come a point in time where Jesus is going to come back and every person who has ever lived on this earth is going to come back to life. The resurrection. Okay? So there's those, those two aspects of it. And so when I ask, when I say, talk about, when I ask the question, how much do you think about the resurrection? That's what I'm referencing is the resurrection. Not just the resurrection of Jesus. Though they are deeply connected and tied together. How much do you think about that? How often do you think about it? How often do you have a discussion with another believer about it? How often does that come up in conversation and you're talking about your faith in Jesus and you're talking about trying to live for God? How much does the resurrection come up? How, how, do you, do you ever think, how often when you're sharing your faith, and I said when you're sharing your faith, okay? When you're sharing your faith, do you, do you share about the resurrection or even, like even mention it? If you study, if you study, if you're studying the Bible with somebody, where does it come up? Where is it on your notes? Which verses do you use? Do you have any idea what the people of Jesus' day thought or believed about the resurrection? You see, because it was a hot topic. As we're going to see here in a minute. And so guys, what we just want to start off here talking about is why is the resurrection so significant? And the first thing I want to talk about is, guys, the resurrection is the linchpin of our faith. It holds it together. You take the resurrection out of the picture, and as Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, our faith is worthless. Let's read this. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's kind of a big deal, isn't it? You see, guys, 1 Corinthians 15 is, is, is the first place you want to start, or I think so. You want to start when you're saying, well, what's the big deal about the resurrection? Go read 1 Corinthians 15. It'll lead you to all other things. It'll lead you to all other kinds of questions. But what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, because some people in Corinth were saying, no, nah, they were saying, nah, the, the, the resurrection, that's, Jesus wasn't really raised from the dead. Which, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but that's a common argument today. That is brought up today. It, there, there's, there's arguments that say, Jesus wasn't really physically raised from the dead. Uh, the disciples came up with that story later on. Alright? And there's people who say, well, it was a spiritual Resurrection. It wasn't a physical resurrection. And what Paul is saying here is, if Christ wouldn't get raised from the dead, 
our faith is useless. Useless. Oh my goodness. Why do you think Paul would make such, a, such strong statements? You see, guys, the resurrection isn't something you can just take or leave. Years ago, uh, I had a person uh, in my house. They'd been to church in the morning. They went to our small group that evening that, that we had. And uh, he was all excited. They were buying in. And he was like, he was, he was commenting on how quickly he was getting excited about being a part of a greater Alton church. And he says, I really don't know what you believe about the, about the second coming. And what I told him was, what does it matter what I believe about the second coming? How's that going to help you with the problems you've expressed in our group? How's it going to help you with your, your struggles? And he's like, boy, that's right. And like, really what I was doing is I was taking the second coming and I was putting it aside and saying, that's just not significant to our lives. That's not significant to our faith right now. The resurrection is. And that's what Paul is trying to say there, guys. Um, it, the resurrection was a fiercely debated topic in the first century Israel. If you're familiar with Jesus and, and, the, and the Gospels, uh, there comes a time where the Sadducees come up to Jesus and they're asking Him a question about the resurrection. And it's kind of a trick question because the Sadducees, their big topic, their big issue was they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe it was going to happen. And so they were trying to trick Jesus and say, what happens if if this this guy, this woman is married to all these different brothers because they all die one at a time and the law said after the, you know, she's married to the first one and he dies, another one had to marry her so the family name could be carried on. And they're trying to say, at the resurrection, whose wife is she? You know, and basically what they're saying is the silly... You would have silly situations like this that couldn't be resolved if there is a resurrection. And they were trying to trick Jesus. It was just that big of a... It was their issue. And we'll find out here in the next point how big of an issue it was today. Guys, today, specifically among a movement known as progressive Christianity, the resurrection is one of those things they want to just throw out. They, they want to do it because they believe, they believe science has more authority than the Bible. They believe that the people who wrote the Bible were primitive people and that that was their best understanding of what happened. And so they just take it. They, no, you, you don't believe in the resurrection. But guys, it is the, it is the, it is the linchpin of our faith. You throw it away and you have to throw away so much more of our faith and you've made up your own beliefs. In today's world, the resurrection of Jesus is subject to widespread questioning and disbelief. And guys, it's significant that we pay attention to it because of this. Paul says it's important. The world around us says, eh, not that big a deal. In fact, it's a bunch of hooey. We need to pay attention to it. Guys, the second thing about why the, the, the resurrection is so significant is it is it was the centerpiece of the gospel. And what I mean by that, guys, is when you read through the book of Acts, after Jesus has died, He's raised from the dead, He's gone back into heaven, the Holy Spirit has came in Acts chapter 2, and they start preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And look, look at these passages here in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. 
is one of those presentations of the Gospel. And after they presented the Gospel in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, this is what happened, said the priests and the, and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Acts chapter 23, when Paul is in front of the, uh, he's on trial literally for his life. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are there. It says, then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, and the others Pharisees who do believe in the resurrection, called out, called out in the Sanhedrin, my brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. You see, guys, when Paul is on trial for his life, he's saying, he's whittling it down to one thing he's on trial for. And it's the resurrection of the dead. That's what he said. This is the big deal. Now, side note might be, might be thrown out here, guys, just because I believe in full disclosure. I believe Paul really enjoyed saying this to this group. Okay? Because the Bible says he knew some of them were Sadducees and some of them were Pharisees. And he knew this was the issue, the issue that divided them or was a major issue that divided them. And so he instantly divided the group. And if you read on, it says that some of the Sadducees grumbled, oh, yeah, he's blasphemy. And the Pharisees like, oh, no, we think he's okay. But guys, it's the big topic. Here in Acts 17, when Paul is dealing with non-Jewish people, this is what he has to say in Acts 17. He says, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remark, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. You see, folks, one of the uh, sources that I, that I re- used to research this is a, is a theologian from England by the name of N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright, when I was researching, he made a statement that just is so true. He goes, they didn't kill people in the first century for believing that Jesus had died. They didn't, they weren't persecuted, Christians weren't persecuted in the first century for saying Jesus was killed by the Romans. That wasn't what happened. What happened is they were preaching the resurrection. And these are just three examples, guys. You go through, I encourage you to go through the book of Acts and read the presentations of the gospel and see how prominent, how prevalent them mentioning, including the resurrection in. You see, guys, one of the things I've seen for years, we've done this, I think, as a whole church. I know we used to do it with teens. And we'd do it at retreats and at church camp. And we'd set up a cross. And we'd say, let's go up there and nail your sins to the cross. Okay? And it was a visual to remind you that Jesus died for your sins. And you need to not sin. And you need to remember that He died for your sins. But we just didn't give the same attention to the resurrection. Guys, the first century they did. Third thing, guys, significance of the resurrection. 
is that Jesus' resurrection was the beginning of new creation. You have to forgive me for a minute here. I'm not going to be able to follow notes real clearly on this. I was wrestling with this this morning about how to talk about this. I was talking with Alan earlier and I go, this is just such a huge topic to talk about the resurrection. And I'm really just kind of wet in your appetites for where it's at. So I'm going to talk about this in a minute. A side note before I forget is if you're looking at the notes online, uh, at the end of the notes, there are several links to resources that I've used and continue to use with regards to the, to the, to the resurrection. There's one for a book by N.T. Wright that I just referenced called The, the Surprised by Hope. And there's several YouTube videos and other articles. And, uh, guys, there is so much there. And, uh, and so even with this topic that I'm looking at right now with new creation, I had to wrestle with how much do I put up? How many scriptures do I want to go through? <laughs> because there is so much that talks about this. And so guys, as, I, as I, I'm going to talk about it, Alan says, you know, it's going to be more like a, a kitchen table kind of a conversation than it is a lesson. Uh, but we want, we want to look at this, guys. You have four passages there underneath that, that point. And, uh, I just want to talk about these guys. The, the second two passages in Luke chapter 14 and Matthew 19, sorry, PowerPoint guy, I'm getting out of order. Uh, but these are referencing what's going to happen at the resurrection. Okay, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is talking and he says, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus said to them, I mean, sorry, then in Matthew 19, Jesus speaking again on a similar topic, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you that at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Guys, I put those two passages in there because they give a, a, a pretty quick synopsis or understanding or point to what the Jewish people of Jesus' day thought about was going to happen at the resurrection. They were planning on on Messiah coming, who was Jesus, and they thought that at the time He comes, there's going to be this restoration of everything. Israel is going to be returned to prominence as the kingdom of God, as the preeminent kingdom on earth. They thought there was going to be a renewal of all things as Jesus references here. Okay, He's referencing something that they believe in. And guys, that is the truth, that when Jesus comes back at the resurrection, everything's going to be made different. We are going to have an eternal life in a world made right. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what the Jews of Jesus' day were expecting to happen when the Messiah showed up. If you look in Acts chapter 1, Peter asked that question. He says, hey, is that when you were going to restore Israel? And that's what they were expecting, but that's not what happened. They didn't expect that Jesus would resurrect from the dead and we'd get a portion of new creation and the rest would come when Jesus came back. You see, guys, it's uh, it's kind of like, uh, I, I told people this a few years ago, that 
Uh, I own car washes, and we've we've been a rebuilder of car washes. We've never built a car wash. We just buy old clunky ones and and rebuild them. And uh, one in particular that uh, I spent a lot of time at. I desire to have things organized in my car wash. Okay, I mean, I want to know where they are. I, somebody calls me and says, where is this? I want to be able to tell them over the phone where it is. And the problem was I didn't have time to do that. Okay, and within my car wash, there were pockets of organization. There were some things that were organized or started to be organized. Okay? It wasn't complete organization. My son took that over and had to finish it. And he mocks my lack of organization. I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of interesting. We had a, uh, another car wash guy come in who feels the same way about organization. He was at one of our sites and he looked over and he did a double take. And at this, there was sets of shelves and on the shelves were organizers and on the organizers were labels. Where everything is at, he's like, I get a tear in my eye. Because of the organization. So that's, that's Jonathan. I mean, he's got, he's got shells that have got electric motors that go up to the roof to just keep stuff out of the way. Incredible. Guys, I had just had pockets of organ, of, of, of organization. It wasn't until my son got on the scene that we have complete, or nearly complete, organization. And guys, that's, the, that's the, the same way with Jesus resurrecting from the dead. Right now, we have pockets of new creation. Partial new creation. Not complete. And do you know what those pockets of new creation are? You are. You are the new creation. This is what it says here in Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. And what's going on here is they're arguing over whether a man needs to be circumcised or not. And Paul's saying it is not important if a man is circumcised or uncircumcised. The important thing is being the new people God has made. That's what's significant. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You see, guys, being forgiven of our sins is a huge deal, is it not? Yes, it is. Living as a new creature is equally as big. God doesn't expect or want us to just accept forgiveness and then go about living the way we always lived. And guys, that's why we've entitled this sermon, this series, Really Living. Because as followers of Jesus, we should be living the way He wants us to. And that's what we were going to be talking about. Uh, two of the lessons coming up, I'm not sure which order they're going to be in, but one is going to be talking about living as new creation, and the other is going to be talking about um, resurrection power. Because guys, that's the the, the, lynch, the linchpin of living as new creation is the, is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're going to drill down on that in coming weeks. Okay? But it's significant that we realize what it's talking about. You see, so, too many times, guys, when it talks about the old being gone and the new has come, 
I believe what it's talking about, the old way of approaching God and trying to live good enough, sinless enough, is gone. Why? Because God showed us pretty clearly, that ain't going to happen. I mean, it's, it is amazing when you go back and look at the Old Testament and you look at His chosen people, the people who saw all of His miracles, and what happens again and again and again and again and again? Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. They adultered themselves and they worshipped the gods of other nations. Okay? I mean, just wicked stuff. Evil stuff. I mean, one of the stories is they're in the middle of it and they're, they're getting put to task or called out about their immorality with the foreign women of other nations, and I suppose men as well, I don't know. But right in the middle of the assembly, a guy walks in with a foreign woman, goes into his tent and starts having sex with her. I mean, it is despicable the things they did. They worshipped a god named Moloch, where they sacrificed their babies, their children, to Moloch. I mean, and on and on and on again, and a king would raise up every now and then who would call them back to faithfulness, and it wouldn't last. And guys, that is just the truth of the matter. You can't be good enough. We can't be good enough on our own. And when Jesus came and died for us, when He went back to heaven, He sent His Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the difference. It is the difference. Again, guys, I'm just referencing things in Galatians chapter 5. And I probably should have had this in my notes, okay? Forgive me. In Galatians chapter 5, it illustrates this very, very plainly. And what it says is that our flesh, also called our sinful nature, another way of putting that, and the Spirit are in conflict with each other. So that we don't do what we want. We have the option as followers of Jesus to not follow our sinful nature. Instead, to follow the Spirit. Following the Spirit is living as new creation. And that's what's so cool about Jesus' resurrection ushering in new creation. Is that we can live life in a different kind of a way. And now again, I'm going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. And you say, well, what's that all about with Galatians 5? Guys, has anybody ever tried to, tried to stop a bad habit? Right? You know, I was talking with somebody recently and we were talking about uh, somebody we know who struggles with drug addiction. Guys, I do not understand drug addiction. I do not understand the attraction Okay? I was curious as a kid, what might that feel like? Okay? I experienced that through drugs the doctor gave me, and I didn't like it. I experienced it through accidentally huffing, waterproofing my shoes in the basement. I didn't like it. I was not hooked, addicted. I didn't want to go back and do that. But I can tell you as a very young boy, five, six, seven years old, looking at the women's underwear section in the JCPenney catalog. Nobody had to explain that to me. I don't understand. Every one of us has something 
that's on the level of a drug addiction. Okay? And we can't lick it on our own. But we can praise God that He's given His Spirit to empower us and enable us to do it. But we have to be willing to live as His new creation. And that's the significance. One of the big significances of the resurrection is that Jesus' resurrection opened the door for us to live as new creation. That's why when talking about baptism, it talks about just as He was raised to a new life, we too can live a new life. And guys, that's, that's very, very incredibly exciting. So, those are some reasons. Guys, that's not an exhaustive list as I've said. Those are some reasons I think we need to pay more attention to, what, to understand the significance of the resurrection. Uh, so then how can I give more, give the resurrection proper attention? Uh, I think number one, guys, you need to choose to increase my faith. I choose to increase my faith. Guys, if you look, when you understand the significance of the resurrection, you will have to choose to believe things and to act in a certain way. If you believe God has truly called you to live in a new kind of way, and He's given you His Spirit to empower you, you will have to be living by faith. You will have to increase your faith. The truth of the matter is, guys, let's just be honest. I call it, I believe that all of us, in varying degrees, like to exist in what I call our circle of safety or our comfort zone. A circle, in this circle is where we feel the most comfortable, which really means we feel the most safe. And I can really expound on this and what all that means. But guys, it's just the truth of the matter. We like to get to a comfortable place and we like to sit our cush down and we don't like to move. Is that not correct? You know? We want the job we can retire from. We don't want to make a transition to a new job. To a new career. We don't want to give up the income to go back to school. Okay? We want to be comfortable. We want to feel safe. We don't like taking risks. Is that fair? Guys, I just want to tell you, if you, you want to learn more about the resurrection, you want to drill down on that and see what's all involved, you're going to be living a risky life. You're going to be stepping out of your comfort zone. And that's what God calls us to. Here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica and he is saying to them, he says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love of all you have for one another is increasing. Guys, I can't put it into words accurately. Even prepare to do it at this time. But as I've learned more about the resurrection, my faith is increased and it changes the way I think. It changes the way I act. My faith is different. If you're going to dig into it, your faith will become different. I encourage you not to approach it as just book learning. But to approach it as, listen, I want to be more faithful. Secondly, guys, do some research. That's why I've included all those links at the end. That's not an exhaustive by any stretch. 
and nor am I saying that you can't come up with any sources on your own. Okay? Uh, in fact, if you come up with some sources you think are good, please feel free to share them with me. Uh, the sources, uh, if I listed, it, it's got links to a book, it's got links to articles, it got links to YouTube videos. Okay? You can listen while you drive, you can watch them. Guys, YouTube is a wonderful source of information. It's also got some bad stuff there too, by the way. But just saying. But guys, do some research. Don't just don't just wait for it to come to you. Don't let it be just Sunday mornings. Decide you want to know more on your own. Uh, we've looked at this verse in Acts 17 for years, but it talks about the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I'm guessing I might have said something up here this morning that somebody has a question about. Whether you go, I don't know about that. I'm not too sure about that. I encourage you to research it. Dig down on it. I did a Google search a few years back and it was the resurrection in the Old Testament. You know the resurrections in the Old Testament? Do you know what talked about it? Did you know that Job talked about the resurrection, talked about seeing his Redeemer on the earth and expressing his face. They believe that's the oldest reference to it. I mean, it's it's amazing what, what what's out there. Number three, no scripture here. Just ask questions. Okay? Don't be afraid to ask questions. Number four, I love this one. Talk about it with other believers. And maybe that conversation starts with, you know, I've never paid much attention to the resurrection. I've never thought a lot about it. What about you? What are you learning about? What's the significance you see in it? You see, guys, if it's the linchpin of our faith, am I wrong in thinking we should be talking about it with each other? Is that a wrong conclusion? No, thank you. Guys, look at this passage here in Hebrews chapter 10. And this is, this is just... This is an old passage. I say old in the sense that we've looked at it for years. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, anybody have any bad stuff going on in your life? Anybody have some stuff you wish wasn't going on? Yeah. Anybody need any encouragement? Okay. Maybe not today, but perhaps tomorrow. Because that's, that's, that's one of the core, the basic things that should be going on in our relationships with each other. Okay. And I, you can ask the question, what's, what's the hot topic when you get together with other believers? Okay, what's the hot topic? Because I'm going to guess because I'm, I know me and I know situations I'm in. It might be my job. It might be sports. It might be video games. It might be TV shows or movies. Guys, what is the hot topics that you talk about? Find that hot topic, okay? That you go, you know, your 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 closest circle of believers, the people you're around the most, whether it's your small group, 
whether it's a group of guys, whatever it is, I ask you, identify the normal hot topics that you gravitate towards, and then pick one and let it substitute, substitute it with the resurrection. You know, maybe, maybe you're young people and it's, it's baseball season and so the Cardinals are playing and you're going to be talking about Cardinals. Okay, did you see that game last night? Did you see, and there's nothing wrong with talking about those things. There is something wrong with talking about those things and not talking about following Jesus. Okay, and I'm just encouraging you to, to identify a hot topic and you choose it, let it be a trigger for you. Instead of talking about that topic, when somebody brings it up, you say, how about that resurrection? And that's just, this is a real practical way to begin to bring it in and to begin to bring the resurrection. And I assume that if, if everybody was to do this, uh, the, the common things that would be being said is, yeah, I've never given much thought to the resurrection. I don't know that much about the resurrection. What do you think about the resurrection? How does the resurrection impact you? You see, guys, in the in the past, uh, in years gone past, Greater Alton would do. We would have our small groups, and our small groups would all do the same study at the same time. And they was where a lot of these studies were for forty days. And I always thought the forty days really should have been forty weeks because they went too fast and I couldn't give much attention to it. But the truth of the matter was that normally once that 40-day emphasis was over, that 40-day study was over, we'd immediately set it aside and go on to something else. And something else would have our attention. Okay? And what I'm wanting to do this year uh, in, in this series is instead of just letting the resurrection be Easter... I want to use it as a catalyst to get us, to give the resurrection more attention. Okay, so that we don't move on to something else. And that hopefully over time, it becomes more a part of our day-to-day faith and our day-to-day conversations uh, with each other. See guys, Easter is over, but we can decide if we're going to give the resurrection more focus and seek to understand it better. And this can really be just be a beginning. Let's pray. Father, I cannot thank you enough for, for your word and the way it reveals things to us. And Father, I can't thank you enough for the resurrection. Father, when I started looking at this a few years ago, I was just amazed at the emphasis that it was given, at the prominence that it had in the gospel. And I was appalled at my neglect. Father, I, I thank you for that. I thank you for all that it means. Father, I thank you that it means that I can, I have the opportunity to someday live forever. Father, that I have the opportunity to represent you better here today. Father, that I have the opportunity someday for a new body. Father, the resurrection means so many different things. Father, I thank you for what you've revealed to us. And Father, the hope that you've given us through Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. And it's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Search me, know me.
Search me.